0: Welcome back, everyone, to The front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, as always, joined by Joe Rasinello. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith to the New York City metropolitan area. Two things, please download the app, Share it with your friends. You'll have access to all of our station's content. And, hey, if you like what Joe and I do, you can find us all over social media. Rumble, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. Like, subscribe, share. Do all that fun stuff. Help us out a little bit. Today, we're very pleased and honored to be joined by Alec Torres. And we're going to be discussing his new book that he has out from Sophia Press, Persecuted from Within. Joe, talk about going into the breach. I think we're going into the breach today. What do you think?
1: Oh, without a doubt.
0: Without a doubt. Some of you out there might know Alec. Having said that, I want to give a quick bio. Alec Torres is a former speechwriter for President Donald Trump, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. He's ghostwritten for cabinet secretaries, ambassadors, national media personalities, and business leaders. He's the co-founder of Allograph, a strategic writing, communications, and design firm. And today, Alec lives with his wife, children, and dogs in Texas. Alec Torres, welcome to the front line with Joe and Joe, brother. Thank you so much for having me, though.
2: I guess I should have updated my bio real quick. I guess that's now former Speaker McCarthy as of yesterday, so I got (laughs) to keep up on the ball here.
0: I, I, yeah, I guess you can see that we weren't going to
2: bring it up. Yeah, well, you know, you know, we don't have to talk about that. I'm here to talk about something else. But uh, no, I really do appreciate y'all having me on here to talk uh, about the book "Persecuted from Within." You know, it's uh, uh, I love politics, obviously, and in my whole life, but this book's right at the center of my heart. And uh, I got to tell you, too, I love talking with New Yorkers again. I was I was blessed to live in New York for the briefest period of time before work dragged me down to DC. It was right after college, and and every time I went back up to visit my my girlfriend at the time, now wife, I loved walking off that bus. I loved just breathing in the fresh air and have somebody say, "Hey, get the hell out of my way," because then I could nice. be like, get hell out of my way. I'm As you told me, one in D.C. was so fake in New York. I could just be myself
0: and, and walk fast. Absolutely. Hey, listen, the one thing I will tell you about two Jersey guys like Joe and I, because we Joe, we're both from Newark, and and Joe, and we were like, I'm in Arizona now. I've been here for about a year and a half, so I got dragged out of Jersey too. <laughs> um, but but when it comes to us and and everybody out there listening to us at the Veritas Network or watch us on on uh, social media, you no, know, it's like when you say to us. That the two things in life you shouldn't talk about are politics and religion. Joe and I say no; those are the two things we want to talk about. Because you're trying to <laughs> ta- tell us to. to well, hey, listen, I could talk to you about the New York Jets all day long, okay? But at the end of the day, not exactly impacting my life. But politics and religion do. And, and 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 all joking aside, okay? Yeah, that's right. When you try to tell us not to talk about the things, those things, then we know those are the things that we absolutely need to be talking about and that's why you're here Alex so we really appreciate you coming on the show um and again we you know we 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 wish we didn't have to talk about this topic um but nonetheless here we are so I'm going to hand it over to Joe and and we'll get started
1: Alec, we always start with a prayer to Our Lady. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Remember, O oh, most gracious Virgin Mary, never was it known that anyone who sought your help or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, we fly unto you, a virgin of virgins, our mother. To you we come, for you we stand, sinful and sorrowful. O well, Mother of the Word, incarnate, despise not our petitions, but in your clemency, hear and answer. us. Amen. name of the Father, amen. Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Well, I guess the 800-pound uh, grill in the room is Donald Trump. You used to write speeches for him. Before we get into the book, I got to ask you, how was the experience? Uh, you said you worked in D.C. Tell us a little bit about it.
2: Working for working for the president was honestly the best job of my life. Uh, absolutely loved it. Uh, if, the, if the hours were better, I could have stayed there for years and years and years. I mean, two things dragged me out. One, uh, I had a kid. And I just recognized I couldn't work in a job like that, you know, six, sometimes seven days a week, hours and hours on end without being able to be home and having a kid. And perhaps more uh, uh, more directly, uh, you know, he happened to not win his reelection there. There was a little bit of a contestation. So, hey, uh, the job wasn't there for me anyway. But if that if that stuck around, I just loved it. I mean, the environment was great. Everyone talked about oh the chaos in the White House. How are you doing with it? I worked with the most professional people i've ever seen in my life devoted patriots good strong christians i mean there was an ash wednesday mass i went to uh right before the coronavirus kicked in and it was packed it was hundreds of white house staffers right there on the white house complex going to mass before the work day started so it was a beautiful place to work
0: i absolutely loved it i was thinking in my mind if i ever showed up at the white house with some sort of like a a pass to get in, they, they, the FBI would come swarming down and say, you're not going in there. Get out of here. <laughs> if you're just joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe, we have Alec Torres with us, and we're discussing his new book, or we will be discussing his new book. We're just trying to get a little information out of Alex and let you know what he's all about. Persecuted From Within is the book that's available at Sophia Press. Alec, briefly, uh, obviously your Catholic faith uh, means everything to you because you wouldn't have written the book if it didn't. Um, tell us a little bit, very briefly, about your journey. I mean, were you always Catholic or... You know what's what's your deal?
2: No I'm I'm a convert actually. I, I grew up evangelical uh, but not really heavily church going, just positive about Christianity kind of thing. And uh, in college, I started getting introduced to uh, to to Catholics. I mean before I just thought they were these weirdo people who you know didn't really know anything about the Bible and kind of worshiped Mary and that was about that. And then I met these extremely intelligent Catholics who showed me, heck, this there's a lot going on with this faith. there's a lot to it. So they planted the seeds there. And, and it was right after college that I that I officially converted. Uh, I'd been going to mass uh, and and I'd been going to RCIA. I told the priest, you know, I'm not converting. I just want to hear what's going on. And by the end of it, he told me, Okay, Alec, well, you know, on the Easter vigil, you're gonna sit right up front here. Uh, you know, you've already been baptized, so we're gonna confirm you here. I said, Oh, Father, Father, hold on. This is in New York, you know, you could tell it was a little bit pushy here. I said, Father, didn't I tell you I wasn't gonna convert? And he said, Well, I mean, you're the only guy who made it to every single RCIA class. You're asking wonderful questions. You're obviously interested. I just, I kind of assumed, you know, this was a foregone conclusion. So I said, okay, you know, if all this is true, all I got to do is sit up front and have a guy put some oil on my head and, uh, as opposed to sit in the back and just listen. So, uh, if it's true, then it'll work. And if it isn't, then it won't. And, uh, and the Lord kind of looked at me and said, oh, well, I can work with that. It's not great, but I'll work with it. So he took me along and and I just dove headlong in a few years after that. Uh, daily mass attending, you know, started attending the Latin mass. Uh, it, it's it's the core of my life now.
0: I I, I remember I, I've said this before on on the show at the front line with Joe. And Joe, there was a you know quite a quite a long period of time in my life. I, I, I'm born Catholic. I was baptized Catholic, but you know I can honestly say. Um, that for twenty years I didn't practice the faith. And Mm -hmm. I remember at one point, um, my my hooligan best friend and me, right, who were tired of living a hooligan type of life, uh, we started to explore different, let's call them Christian denominations. And I remember saying to him, is because you what you said is um brought back a memory. I remember saying to my best friend, one thing. One thing I'm going to say right now: I'm never going back to the Catholic Church, never. All right. I think a year later, I found myself in confession, giving my my uh, the confession of my adult life, because God had a different plan. Thank God. <laughs> so it's it's a beautiful thing. I mean, to me, I look at it this way: uh, if you look at it very uh, very objectively, uh, the church stands out i mean i I, and this is not to uh denigrate any other christians or 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 i'm not bad mouthing anybody the church uh in her teachings just stands out doesn't cave in didn't cave in on contraception uh never caved in on abortion just didn't do it just didn't do it now in practice but as far as her teachings are concerned and different Mm -hmm. things like that tell me no yeah that's 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 the church i want to be in the one that goes with the unpopular view uh but having said that we're going to talk probably a little bit more about that let me hand it over to joe alec and we'll start talking about your book persecuted from within
1: well let's talk about the title as well as the state of the catholic church um Mm -hmm. just to give you a little bit of my background i am a what you see is what you get guy i believe the catholic church is painting by numbers it's all written down you follow it Mm -hmm. sadly That's not what's happening and hasn't happened for quite some time, decades in America. To give you some background on me, you know, I was always Catholic. At 22, I started to take it seriously due to bad behavior. Um, I'm 53, so it's three decades. I taught within the church and was asked to leave. Asked Hmm. to leave, RCIA. All I did was teach it from the catechism, the 1992 catechism. It's written down. It's written down. And I have worked in organizations my whole entire life, from being a child in the Boy Scouts to corporate America. And there is a hierarchy, and you're told what to do. I have never seen in my life, and I say this to my wife all the time, how— Things are just ignored, and there's no consequences. I don't understand it. Let me say all this. So to me, the church, it's pretty simple. You have a hierarchy. It's written down. You're in or you're out. If you don't do it, just like in corporate America, I work for a boss. He has global responsibilities. If I don't do what he tells me, I am fired. And I'm not saying you throw the lady out, but you address the wrongs. If someone in the priesthood is not doing what they're supposed to do because it's written down, you talk to them, you address it, and if they don't comply, they're out. Why isn't this going on? I throw it to you. I don't get it. I really don't, and I mean it. No, I when you say it's written
2: down I mean it really is written down it's in in the New Testament right a brother does something wrong you approach him with it he doesn't listen to you you approach him with a couple other people from the church he still doesn't listen you push him out that's just how it goes it's 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 repent or don't And if you don't, that's your call. That's your free will. You can leave. And th- this, this is the root of the question that was bothering the heck out of me. Uh, and, and that caused me to write this book. I, I worked on it with a co-author, uh, a friend of mine, Josh Charles, uh, you know, another White House colleague, another White House speechwriter. And I was looking at it like, OK, we have uh, a very confused church right now we have false teaching, we have terribly bad catechesis, we have mass confusion, we have terrible scandals of all sorts, doctrinally and moral scandals. They're all over the place. And it seems to be centered oftentimes around our leaders. You know, it, It's like if a, if a normal lay Catholic does something wrong, that's bad enough. When it's a bishop or a priest or a cardinal or a pope or anything like that, it just gets magnified the higher it goes. And I was having the same thought. Okay, what am I supposed to do? I want to be a good Catholic. I know that I'm supposed to, you know, listen to the hierarchy. I know that I'm supposed to follow what the church teaches. How do I do that when the church seems to be, when the church leaders seem to be telling me the opposite uh, or seem to be doing like what they did to you and punishing you for just preaching the catechism? So I didn't know the answer to that. I really didn't. Uh, But I figured there would be people who did, the saints. You know, if anybody would know the answers to our questions, people who have dealt with the same problems in the past would so I researched them. I looked at their lives. I, I looked at people who were actually persecuted by hierarchs within the church to figure out how they responded as the best way I knew how to go about this.
0: Alex Torres, let me ask you this, though. How do we differentiate? Because I, I hear you loud and clear, brother, but some people out there uh, it m- m- might say, but, but how do you know? see that that, that, i guess that's where i'm going with this like how do you know like let's say for argument's sake, you're a a a member of the hierarchy is not telling you the right thing i can hear somebody asking that question i think i might have an answer that uh, answer to that i'm interested in your answer to that because that's what we have to discern as lay people because you say like joe mentioned rightfully i'm not correcting him but he said you know we have to listen to the hierarchy okay but i'm not i'm quite frankly god rest his soul i'm not listening to you know, Cardinal Daniels or 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 some of the I'm, I'm just not I mean, because yeah. because I, I think I, I know a little bit something about the faith. What's your response to that? Um, Because I think that's where a lot of confusion comes in, because we want to listen to our, you know. to the, Yeah, to the it's, it's only natural.
2: I mean, that's what we're called to do. It, how much easier would it be if we could just say, oh, my priest said this, therefore I'm good. You know, my bishop said this. I don't need to worry about it. Right. that'd be ideal everyone would love that to be the case then we could just go along with our lives live our faith do our jobs raise our families try to get to heaven that would be it we don't have that that privilege anymore and and frankly christians throughout history haven't had that privilege maybe some did but oftentimes they didn't the laity have always been called to, to to discern what the true faith is but we've always had the ability to do so too uh you know Jesus entrusted it to normal people, too. Yes, he gave his information to the apostles, but there was a whole group of disciples following as well. And you watch it throughout church history. Lay people have been able to discern it. How? Very basic things. You know, read the Bible, pray continually, strive to live a life of virtue, pray your rosary, you know, keep in communion with the saints and study the history, study what the truth is. The great thing about the Catholic Church, especially here in the Internet age, we got documents up the wazoo. We have church teachings, we have councils. If you want to read it's it's not easy, but you can go back and read actual council documents and what they taught, not just Vatican II, you know, the Council of Trent, the Council of Nicaea, whatever it is, church fathers from the from the very early history in the first, second, third century AD. And you can find out what the church teaching actually was. And the beautiful thing is if you look at it throughout time, it's consistent. Maybe it's said a little differently. Maybe it's developed a little bit over time. But if it, the same thing has been said in 200 and in 1200 and 1600 and in 1900, and then all of a sudden the bishop says something opposite in 2023, guess what? It's the bishop who's wrong. It's not the, what the church has been teaching every single time. It, it's, it's a little, it can be a little scandalous to hear that from your bishop, but but that's how you know.
0: No, I know. Joe, let me stay here for one second, if you don't mind. Alec, I want you to do do me a favor uh, for our audience here at the front line with Joe and Joe the, the the title of your book is persecuted from within describe please before we move forward in the conversation what is the form of this persecution how do you see it
2: the persecution can happen in all sorts of ways and we and we looked at it um we looked at it, 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 it you know how however it, did, it really played out in history so sometimes it was it was interpersonal persecution right you got like Archbishop Fulton Sheen in New York back in the 20th century, he was persecuted by his Cardinal Spellman over a personal vendetta. You know, the Cardinal Spellman demanded some money from uh, from Bishop Fulton Sheen. He said no. And they were just having a personal spat. That's one way it can happen. Uh, Other times it can be uh, doctrinal. It can be something, uh, and I think this is a little bit more applicable today. We have lessons from both because then you can see how people react depending on the circumstances. But there's examples like St. Athanasius. He was back uh, in the 300s uh, during the Arian heresy, This is a big heresy about who Christ is. Is he actually God's son? Is he just a creature? Who is he? And this matters a lot. It matters for our salvation. And, uh, you know, that that is a doctrinal Question about the nature of God, the nature of Christ—it's not something negotiable. And you know, where Bishop Fulton Sheen, he was—he was kind of relegated to the outskirts. He had a lot of power, and and he—we he, can go into him later—but he was pushed to the side. Bishop Athanasius—he was flat out exiled. I, I mean, he—he he was sent away. He was a, a the bishop of the diocese of Alexandria, and he was exiled from his diocese six separate times. Pretty much every time, because he was preaching the truth. So it can be that it can be personal, it can be exile. There's even been saints who have been excommunicated for just sticking up for the for for what they knew was true. So it really happens all
0: sorts of ways. Absolutely. If you're just joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe, Alec Torres is joining us. Uh, former speechwriter for President Donald Trump and House Speaker McCarthy, he's written a new book, Persecuted from Within, available at Sophia Press. Everybody out there knows what I'm about to say. We don't only want to support our Catholic authors, but also our publishers. So please support Sophia and buy the book there. We'll let Alex tell us in a little while where else we can buy the book, if need be, if you know where I'm going with that. Joe Racinello.
1: I want to talk about why I kind of got thrown out of the RCIA program around one specific issue. It's receiving the Eucharist in the state of grace. Why do I bring that up? Because that's the issue today. And Mm -hmm. here's the thing. You guys talked about, like, you know, say a bishop says something different. What I would say is this, on something like that, it's written down that's scriptural and that is also in the catechism. That's not gray. So what I would say is if a bishop, and there are many, and I want to expand on that, on that issue, that is as crystal clear as the day is long. And don't couch it as it's pastoral. Don't couch it in the spirit of Vatican II. First, let me first say, Vatican II is legit. We just haven't seen it. We haven't seen it. It is a teaching of the church. And frankly, in the name of the spirit of Vatican II, it has been aped. And that issue is the crux of what we're seeing right now in the Senate. And I'm going to tell you, we talk to a lot of people, and this is what it is. You come into the church on your terms and we'll accompany you and you will somehow figure it out. Eh, Wrong. That's been tried for 60 years and it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Jesus said this, repent, no, John the Baptist, forgive me, repent and believe the gospel. You have to acknowledge what you believe, where you fall, repent and then receive by the way you're welcome to come into the church and be in mortal sin you got to just stay in the back you got to just not receive you could be a jewish person and come to the church you could be a muslim person and come to the church you could be an atheist and come to the church you can't receive because you have to believe in everything and it's black and white it's black and white. You can't, in the name of being pastoral, change the deposit of faith. And that's what's happening. And it doesn't bear fruit because it's not adhering to the vine. I screamed a lot. What are your thoughts? Because that's what's happening.
2: Yeah, there, there's, there's a phrase I see on churches all the time, right? Come as you are, come as you are. I get that, right? We should tell. Okay, yeah, come as you are. But if the message is, you can go up and receive communion as you are. You can leave that church as you are week after week, day after day, month after month. No, that's not the message of the gospel. The message of the gospel is exactly what you said. Repent and believe, right? Change your life, convert, be a new man, live in Christ, be Christ-like, another Christ. That takes effort. That takes admitting your fault. And when it comes to that issue of, of receiving mortal sin, I mean, this is something you said it's written down. It's been litigated at, at the highest levels uh, long before we ever got to this point, one, uh, two of the saints we mentioned in the book, uh, St. Thomas More, St. John Fisher, right? So these were guys who lived when uh, Anglicanism was started. Henry VIII, the, the, the whole history here is Henry VIII said he wasn't having any uh, male children by his wife. He was the king of England, and he's like, I really want a male child. So what does he do? He says, I'm not going to trust God on this. I'm not going to pray. You know, I'm just going to divorce my wife and marry somebody else. And then maybe I'll get a boy. Uh well, that's called, you know, divorce. That's that's something that's not allowed in the Catholic Church. He wasn't getting it annulled. The Pope didn't approve it. Now, it was, according to apparently a lot of our leaders, they would say, Well, you know, you gotta accompany him, you gotta be pastoral about this, you know. If there was a time to be pastoral, it was when a king of an entire country who had the ability to drag his entire country away from the true faith, when he had that opportunity, maybe then would be a time to compromise. But no, even then, the Pope. Uh, Thomas More, who was one of the king's highest level advisors, and John Fisher, who was a bishop within England, said, no, we're not going to do it. We can't say that it is okay, even for a king, to get divorced and then remarried and have it not be called adultery and stay within the church. We have to tell him that's wrong. We have to defend the family. We have to defend the Christ teaching about marriage. And they did that then. It led to massive chaos. I mean, the, the English—now, that's why we have Anglicanism. They left the Catholic Church. It was a massive fallout. But they weren't at fault for telling the truth. Henry VIII was at fault for doing wrong and being unrepentant in his sin and dragging his whole country along with him.
0: Absolutely. Alex Torres is joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. Please go out and buy his book Persecuted From Within that's available at Sophia Press. I'm glad you brought that up Alex and put a little historical perspective on it because you know it, it seems like you know I've always thought this like everybody's living in the worst of times. You know it's like this has to be the Jesus is coming back, okay? Um you know this has never happened before. That's not exactly true, though, Alec, is it? I mean, we, we as Catholics, we have a 2,000-year history. You mentioned uh, you mentioned the the situation in England. But what's going on within the church right now? This is not something that we haven't, both as lay people and as faithful prelates um, that are out there. Uh, this is not something that's unprecedented. We've been through it before. Break that down a little bit for us.
2: Oh, well, I, I, I want to put a little uh, uh, nuance on it, I guess. Okay. I don't want to be sensationalist, but I, I really do think we actually exist in some pretty unique times, right? I don't think I don't doubt that, Alec. World, I right? want to say
0: I, I don't doubt that at all. Uh, but I'm, I'm sorry. I cut you off. Go ahead. Go.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, I, I just want to throw it out there that when people think like, oh, man, these times are particularly bad. In a way, yes, they're right. But also we do have to put some things in context, you know? Like, yeah, you have St. Thomas More and St. John Fisher when, a, when an entire national church broke off. Uh, there's an example of a, of a guy saint bruno he's not uh too well known about he was in the 11th century uh, you know I won't go into too many details with him but let's just say that during his time three competing popes uh the papacy was run by what they called the pornocracy it was run by, by uh you know uh uh women who were sleeping with different priests essentially uh, uh i mean it, w- it was a it was a total moral mess mass confusion debates there were normans invading there were uh, uh Uh, What is it? Other countries invading back and forth, invading Rome, I mean, the Vatican, right? Like the Pope had to leave and come back. If you want to talk about chaotic times where things just really didn't seem good, you know, look at the middle of the Middle Ages right there. It was dark. It was not fun. The difference here, though, and and what makes our own time unique is that it, it appears from the outside like the like that very structure of the church itself, the visible part of the church in its institutions and through its hierarchy, are starting to teach things that are contrary to what the church has taught throughout its entire history. Now, that the closest we get to that is who I mentioned before, Saint Athanasius, back with the Arian crisis. But but that happened in the three hundreds, right? That, that's that's you know a millennium and a half plus of history in which we really haven't faced anything like this before. Uh, and and it's tough. I, I mean, how, what are we supposed to do if if all of a sudden the pope says things that have us scratching our head, or our, our, our cardinal, local cardinal, or bishop says things that are like we, we look at it and we're like, wait, did he actually say that? That's wrong. How are we supposed to respond to that? So it it is it is kind of particularly bad right now, and, and we have to relearn how to respond as Catholics to that situation.
0: I guess that's where I, I'm glad you said it like that, Alec, because that's really where I was going is that, yes, I do. I'm with you. I do believe this is some somewhat unique, especially if you look at let's say um, our lady um, at, uh, at the apparition of Fatima. And she said the last battle uh, between our Lord and Satan will be over marriage and the family. Obviously we're seeing that play out. Unfortunately, we're, this is why we have you here on the show. And I'm sure one of the reasons why you w- wrote the book, because we're seeing that in the church and that should not, you know, we're we're seeing this idea that a family is can be something other than what it is, um, and 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 it's being distorted, and and that's where you, and and that's your, but I guess my larger point was, but we do have a blueprint from history uh, with which to operate that we can move forward. Um, that obviously there's always hope. This is Christ's church, not ours, not Pope Francis's or anybody in between. This is His church, and when the time is right. Perhaps, as you mentioned, he'll raise up saints. I'm sure he will. And the ship will get righted. Alec, we're going to take a quick break. We're so happy that you're on the show. We're so happy that you're here to talk about this Persecuted from Within. Alec Torres, that's his new book. Alec, first of all, uh, outside of Sophia, where else could our audience members buy the book?
2: Well, I'll reiterate to you too, like buy it at Sophia. I mean, you got to support our Catholic publishers. I recommend people go there. Sadly, you don't need this book in two days. Uh, The problems are going to stick around. So, you know, you don't have to get it on Amazon. But if you do, if you're just desperate for it, you know, I'm not going to stop you. You can buy it on Amazon. You can find it on Books A Million, Barnes & Noble, stuff like that. Just, you know, search it out. And what about, Alec, uh, do you have any social media, uh, Twitter, any of that? Uh, maybe maybe it shows my true heart for the church here. No, i'm I'm really not here to promote myself at all. i'm a I'm a ghostwriter by trade. I write for other people, I've written bunches of books and you'll never know I wrote them., uh, so this is the only time I've really been out public because I felt that strongly about it. So uh, uh, I guess I'd say, Go for the book, don't go for me.
0: All right, hey, listen, brother, that uh, hey, that's what I call humility. I love it. Um, Alex Torres is joining us here at the Frontline with Joe and Joe. Remember, uh, download the Veritas Catholic Radio Network mobile app so that you can have access to all of our station's content, not just the Frontline with Joe and Joe. We are an EWTN affiliate, and we have terrific original programming. And uh, Joe and I are on social media, Alex. So we're 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 trying to get our loud voices out there. Uh, we we oh, don't we need people straight- like you. We need people like you. I don't blame you. I'm just not- I call to that. <laughs> the the loudmouth Goombas from New Jersey. <laughs> uh, we're on Rumble, we're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, we're on YouTube, where you can see all of our commentary that Joe and I have done. We're really growing mostly on Rumble and Facebook. But wherever you see us, like, subscribe, share. And all of our interviews uh that we broadcast on Veritas Catholic Radio, we do also put up on social media. So uh we have another great segment with Alec Torres coming up. Stick around, uh, don't go anywhere.
2: Catholic radio works, and now we have it here in Connecticut and New York. It's been seen around the country that there's no better tool for evangelization. Where there's Catholic radio, the folks who listen deepen their faith, families are strengthened, parishes and communities flourish. So, let people know you're listening to Veritas, tell your friends to tune in, and let's make an impact here for Jesus and His Church. This is Steve Lee for Veritas Catholic Welcome back,
0: everyone, to the Frontline with Joe and Joe. Joe Piscillo and Joe Racinello. We're way in the breach with Alec and we are discussing his new book, Persecuted from Within, that's available at Sophia Press. Joe Racinello.
1: You mentioned history. I want to talk about Catherine of Siena for a moment because she was a counselor to the Pope, um, I believe. uh, Well, I know there were two Popes. Well, one was the anti-Pope, and one got exiled to France. And I read something that she wrote, or uh, it was a commentary on something that she wrote and it stuck with me. It basically said, if you try to fix the church, meaning me or Joe Pasilla or you, on your own, you're gonna wind up getting frustrated and you may wind up finding yourself leaving. And I find that to be interesting because I have seen that in people in social media, I'm not gonna name names. Christ says very clearly, that the gates of the netherworld will not triumph over the church. I can only change me. Personal holiness, prayer, fasting for the church, um, personal prayer, sacramental life, giving a good example. That's what I primarily can do, and I need to do that. Um, But I can't fix the church. And I think a lot of times, because I see it, and I even feel it, you get frustrated. Like to the point where you're almost just like, oh, my gosh, this is insane. I can't even believe this. Um, Let's talk about that because I don't think that's the correct approach. Now, that doesn't mean you subject yourself to insanity. I'll be, you know, very forthright. I have left churches, and it's sad that you have to do that, to look for a church that is more, like, in tune with traditional teaching, frankly— with what is stated in, in the catechism as far as frequent confessions, adoration, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. I can't deal with the nonsense. I can't and I won't. But with that said, I can not fix the church. Joe Rasinello. I'm not God. I can't make people do things. Let's talk a little bit about that because I have seen that out there and I think it could go in bad directions,
2: yeah, you, you, the Lord, uh, are really us. It was Saint Paul laid it out pretty clear, right? Be instant in season and out of season, right? You take care of yourself and you preach the truth that you know that you've received from the church, you know, because we're called to do that even as lay people, too. Maybe, maybe not from the pulpits, but within our own families, uh, within our own communities. And, you know, for for folks like y'all online, on radio, things like that, that is a good thing. That's an apostolate. That's what you're supposed to do. Uh, but yeah we're never going to fix the church on our own and that's not our job. Uh I would just say you're you were totally right though to to leave churches that you were worried might uh threaten your faith or undermine your ability uh to 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 you know bring yourself or your family up in the faith. Um St. Athanasius called on lay people to do that explicitly during the Arian crisis. He said if you are going to a church and the priest there is an Arian, he's preaching something that is uh Heresy. It's absolutely heretical to the teachings of the church, laid down in the Council of Nicaea. Leave. Don't stay there. You have no obligation to put your own faith at risk for the sake of some misplaced sense of submission or obedience. So, you know, we we have to have a balance, right? All we can do is is what we can do in our own little spheres. We can try to be faithful. We can frequent the sacraments. We can pray. We can live a life of virtue and grow in that. And we can teach others to do the same by our words and mostly by our actions. And after that, we just got to trust God. I mean, it's his church. It's it's He welcomed us into his church. He's the one who's leading it. He's the one who's running it. He's the one who will ultimately fix all the problems that we have one way or another.
0: Alec Torres, let me ask you a question, and, and Joe and I, you know, w- no matter what we say, we, 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 we're always, always respectful, okay? Uh, we don't do any bishop bashing here, but quite frankly, in America, our, our USCCB, I, en masse, not, I'm not speaking about individuals. I mean, we, we love Bishop Keggiano He's on the board of Veritas Catholic Radio Network. We're not bashing individual bishops, but there does seem to be a lack of leadership. All right. I mean, you could go into a few things that, unfortunately, on social media, you'll, you'll get kicked off uh, for talking about. Uh, but it seems to be like, well, how, how about this? How about I shut up and throw it over to you? What do you see as the state of the church in America, in particular? It well.
2: It's not great, right? You know, you don't want to sugarcoat things, right? We I, we could be Germany, right? Which looks like it it may well completely break off from the church if 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 people aren't just if, if we don't pray like crazy and, and if there aren't some really good leaders who who try to work the German church back into the fold. But it's not like things are going particularly great in America. I, I mean, I I I do my best to be respectful as well, especially when things get too public, right? I count this as sort of a, a it's, it's a conflict within the family. It's a crisis within the family. So I will talk differently to a fellow Catholics than I will to the outside world, right? It's like, if my dad is doing something wrong, I'll talk to my dad about it. I'll talk to my siblings about it. I'll talk to my mom about it. Uh, I'm not going to go and talk to my neighbors about it, right? That's that's not that's not what this is about. But we do have to be honest with ourselves too, right? Like if, if a bishop is saying something that is uh, heretical or wrong, and it's very, very clear, there's nothing wrong with us pointing it out. You know, we don't have to do it with ad hominem mm-hmm. attacks. We, we, we don't have to, to deny the power of his office or say that for some reason he's no longer my bishop or something like that. But, uh, but no, there's nothing wrong with, with with pointing out online to our friends, wherever it is, like, hey, th- this isn't true Catholic teaching. And you don't do that because you hate your bishop. You do that because you love the people who hear the bishop. And to love them right, you have to tell them the truth. They deserve to know the truth. They deserve to know it from their bishop, but if they're not getting it from him, you know, we have to fill that gap.
0: But Alec, I'm going to hand it over to Joe, but one thing I will tell you is this, along the lines of what you were saying, okay? I remember, I remember when... uh uh, basically, uh, you know, I don't know if you realize it, especially you. You were a speechwriter for Trump. Joe and I just, we're, you know, we just voted for the guy, okay. Um, but, but having said that, uh, we we found out from Hillary Clinton, who's the smartest person in the world, that we're deplorable. Now, the reason why I bring that up is, unfortunately, with some of the hierarchy in in the American church, I feel like they're calling us the same thing because we might say, "But hey, wait a minute, the the church doesn't teach that that contraception is is okay." Paul VI wrote him Humane Vitae, or the church doesn't teach that abortion is okay under some circumstances, because uh, that's not the teaching of the church. Or if, if you seem to stick to tradition, which we've talked about here on the show at the front line with Joe and Joe, if you seem to stick to tradition, <laughs> uh, the ad hominem does not come from us towards the hierarchy. And sometimes it's coming from the hierarchy towards us. And that's unfair and that's unjust. Because like you said, if I have to be respectful, and I will be, and you will be, and Joe will be, well, I want to be treated with respect, too. If I have a legit beef, then I have a legit beef. Address it. Don't attack me because I say maybe we should stick with tradition, all right, Um, and and stick with the teachings of the church. All right, address it. I just wanted to throw my two cents in on that because you mentioned ad hominem. I am not, and Joe, and I know you, Alec, we're, we're not going to attack people personally, but sometimes I feel attacked personally. I Do mm-hmm. but uh, this is my two cents. Uh, Joe Rassinello, I want to talk about you mentioned like a
1: heresy. Um, I think sometimes it's not overt. There, ha- there's obviously instances, and we could point to you know where people have said things that are just crazy. Like you could, you mentioned Arianism, that's a heresy. Christ is divine, a heresy. It's what's not said, and it's also ambiguity i see this Mm. is the problem i don't see necessarily particularly largely as heresy it's ambiguity and not saying the whole thing (laughs) you see that's what's happening and i'm going to give you a concrete example there is i'm not going to mention his name there is a cardinal in america that had a mass for transgender and active homosexuals Mm -hmm. and he and that is wonderful. But here's the caveat. He marches everybody in. They had a little thing going on outside the church. Everybody comes in. And then he leaves. And someone has the mass. And doesn't say. If you're not in the state of grace. You can't receive. You see. He didn't mention that. You see that's. it's. If you ask me. It's disingenuous. Now. I don't know his heart, and I'm not going to judge it. Many times people are sincere. They're sincerely wrong. And how mm-hmm. do you know, Joe Restonel, they're sincerely wrong? Because the church says so in a document. It says you have to be in a state of grace to receive the Eucharist. St. Paul says so in Scripture. Now, I don't hate every, anybody, and everybody is welcome in the Mass. However, if you're not in the state of grace, you can't receive you're welcome. He forgot to, and in doing that, you're not helping that person. You're affirming that person in a state of life, just as if I leave my wife, take on another wife, and then go up and receive the Eucharist. Wrong. Can't do it. Now, that's what we see. Now, whether Mm -hmm. the ambiguity Is weaponized on purpose or not? I am not going to judge because I'm not God. Because many times people in life are sincere. They're sincerely wrong. And documents show that to be the case. Not my opinion. Let's differentiate that. Because that's what I see in America. I see a lot of, I'm going to paint the picture. But I'm not going to tell the whole picture. (laughs) Whether you're doing that on purpose or not is not for me to say but i have eyes to see i know the whole picture and you're not saying it and that's a problem what are your thoughts
2: the the yeah ambiguity i think we're moving into a into a time in which ambiguity is brushing up really darn close to heresy because if you the, the difference between refusing, if you're in a position of leadership within the church whose job is to teach the truth of the gospel, and if you are refusing to ever correct error, overt error in those who are taking statements that you've said or allowances that you've given— and it happens time and time and time again to allow heresy or to allow wrong or immoral actions to happen on a continual basis in that manner yes we can't judge somebody's heart but it is their job to correct those things that is something they that they need to do within their position so we can say okay maybe they aren't set, like literally saying something heretical but they they are abrogating their responsibilities to teach the truth and to teach the gospel uh consistently and boldly uh so yeah, we, we have to call that out. I, I mean, whether it's, it, 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 the difference is then one between heresy, maybe, and scandal, on the other hand, right? And scandal is still bad. Jesus said, don't scandalize the little ones. So if you, you know, we, we got the recent a uh, uh, document out uh, uh, from Rome on the Synod on Synodality about the dubia, you know, the questions that certain cardinals asked. And it's like, well, you know, we have to treat things pastorally. And, and I'm not gonna say one couldn't less same-sex unions as but you know, you'd have to do it in such a way as as it wouldn't really be, you know, considered marriage and and yada yada yada. You look at that and you're like, is anything in this overtly heretical debatable? Maybe yes, maybe no. But the effect of it is one that allows for something that the church teaches against and makes people confused about the teachings of the church, right? So, okay, I don't know, I don't know anybody's heart. I can't judge them on it, but what we can say is no. This is confusing and it's leading to scandal because people don't know right from wrong anymore and we have to say what the truth is. 100%. And Clearly.
1: I want to tell you something I always talk to my wife about. Jesus said, "Let your yes be yes and your no be no and everything that's not of that is from the devil." <laughs> you see, Christ was perfectly clear. He was perfectly clear. At all times At every moment. And as a father, you have to be clear. If my kid is smoking weed in my house, I have to make my voice known. No, you will not do that, especially in this house. Now, to your point, this is something that priests, bishops, cardinals, and popes need to be. Clarity. That doesn't mean you beat people over the head. That means my intent has to be loving that person i'm not here to beat you i'm not here to win an argument i'm not here to browbeat you and throw you in the corner no i am here to tell you because i love you i'm here to tell you the truth the gospel truth and i'm gonna say something and if people don't like it tough if you're not willing to do that you're in the wrong job
0: joe Mm -hmm. let me let me follow let me follow up that i want to stay on this a sec if you don't mind alec um, since we, had, we, we did an interview a while back with, uh, Professor Robert George from Princeton. I thought he put it perfect. He, 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 gave this beautiful defense of, of Vatican II and the documents and the teachings and everything else. And then he paused. It was very funny actually, because he's a character and he paused and he went now let's talk about the spirit of Vatican II." Okay. And, and he went on in a very respectful way to, t- to, to talk about that. Now, where am I going with this? You guys are talking about clarity, you're talking about confusion. I find there to be nothing. If I didn't seek out the 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 clarity, I I I I would not be getting it. Let me put it like that. And I'm trying to be as charitable as I can. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. I would not if I but I have to seek it out. Could be finding a different parish. It could be going online. It could be subscribing to to uh to not some Jesuit priest who says a lot of crazy things flying around. I subscribe to somebody else on Twitter um who's not saying what that Jesuit priest is saying out there. We all know where I'm going with that. Um. Since Vatican II, I'm sorry, and everything, both in my experience and what I read, has been a lot of confusion and a lot of lack of clarity. Am I off in that, Alec Torres? There, there's, I think there was kind of a a
2: bait and switch that happened mentally where people, you know, love was always, I, I, you know, going back to uh, what Joe said before, like, love is the point, right? Right. And and that was the point before Vatican II, and it was the point after Vatican II. But somehow it got it got adopted from the secular consciousness that love meant to affirm people where they are, not to tell them how to actually be happy, where they need to be, how to be right within the church. Right. So so that conception of love got flipped around. And, you know, I don't know all, you know, I, I, I've never gone there and just diagnosed the, the whole spirit of Vatican II, but that something about that tells me that that's right at the core of it, that somehow we thought to love people, to be pastoral to people, means we have to accept them for whatever sin that they're in, you know, whatever their passions may be, as opposed to correcting them. Uh, I, I mean, I've made my my personal uh, choices over time to, to defend my own faith, right? Like I, I joined in the church, uh, the first church that I went to Uh, When I moved to DC, you know, I, I was young. I didn't know much about what was going on, and it didn't have kneelers. I thought, well, wow, this church is so poor, it can't have kneelers. I, you know, no, I later found out that they didn't like the idea of kneeling before the Eucharist, right? I won't say what the church was, it just, it, there, was, there was just some theory, that was the spirit of Vatican II. Nothing in Vatican II said don't kneel before God. It just was taken to be like, oh, we don't want to be stodgy and rude, or, or you know, off-putting to people, or rigid, or anything like that. So I went from that, and then over time, just slowly found myself moving over until eventually I said, you know what? The only place where I I, I can feel like I'm going to consistently be taught the traditional teachings of the church would be to go to a, to a parish that has the traditional Latin Mass. And I'm not telling everyone that they should go to the traditional mass. I think it's beautiful. I think you can find wonderful uh, Nova sorto parishes out there, but that's how bad it got for me. I'm looking around and, and and I'm parish after parish. And it was the same thing. I'm like, do you care about confession if if it's at three o'clock from three to three thirty on Saturdays? Do you really actually think that people need it? You know, have I heard anything that that approaches controversy from the pulpit? Not because you want to be controversial, but because you know that preaching the gospel as it is truly and clearly means that you're going to say something controversial. At I, I, the end, I couldn't find that in most places. I, I had that in D.C. Sometimes I had a tougher time over here in Texas, but. Yeah, I, I mean the spirit of Vatican II is is it's frankly it's not the church. It's not what the church has been. It's trying to change what the church is. And 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 there's nothing wrong with saying that and being clear about it. You're not heretical, you're not schismatic. You know, I still believe in Vatican II. I still believe it was a church council. You, but there's nothing wrong with saying that things are wrong or that people have taken things in the wrong direction.
0: And you know, Taurus, let me thing, let me though, I'm, I'm gonna to to hand, to... hand it over to Joe. I'm gonna hand it over to Joe. I wanna say this though. Here's the way I look at it because I I I, you know, I like to be a little little to the point. Okay, Christ talked about sheep and goats. He talked about depart from me, you accursed into the into the eternal fire. He said a lot of things like that, and no one ever loved human beings more than him. So if if you so if he could say if it's good enough for him, okay,
2: yeah. all right. I, I will you. say real quick, like you know I. I when I'm when I'm in an interview like this and we're going back and forth and stuff, I really try to, to to guard my words because I don't want to say anything stupid and I don't want to say anything that I would regret, right? Uh, and, and and because who who wants to go to hell and find out that it was because they were they were shooting off from the hip on Twitter or they couldn't control their tongue, right? In the book, you know, I think we address things a little bit more sharper and clearly because that's where I knew I could sit there, I could think about it, I knew exactly what we were writing, and I and I weighed each word. So, you know, maybe I'm a little bit circumspect here, but, but it's just because I don't want to be saying anything wrong. But no, we got like the honesty that I'm talking about.
0: We tried to write that down word for word and, and sort of smack things right in the
2: face when it came to the written word.
0: That's why we want to make sure everybody out there at the Veritas Catholic Radio Network goes out and buys your book. See, what we like to do here, Alec, is paint the broad strokes because we don't want to talk about the whole book. So somebody's going to say, well, I got it in an hour, so I got the Cliff Notes version, Then now I'm not <laughs> going to go out and buy it. We want to make sure everybody everybody goes out and buys it. Uh, persecuted from within. That's available at Sophia Press. If you have to buy it from the big box, if you have to buy it from Amazon, go right ahead. We just encourage you uh, to uh, to go out and buy the book and uh, and and delve deep, you know, more deeply into this. Joe Rasinello, I'm
1: glad. I just want to comment what you said. I'm glad you differentiated between the spirit of Vatican II and Vatican II. I think that's very important because I think when people use that spirit of Vatican II, or when I hear it's pastoral. My antennas go up immediately. Why? Because you don't have the authority to change the deposit of faith. I don't. Joe doesn't. You don't, Alec. Nor does a priest, nor does the pope, nor does the cardinal, nor does the bishop. Under any label or bucket, call it whatever you want. Spirit of Vatican II, pastoral in the name of mercy, call it whatever you want. You can't do that. And when you do, you lead other people astray. And that's what has happened in the American church for decades. Sadly, let me just say that because I have eyes to see and I have Mm -hmm. experienced it. You mentioned some examples. I want to talk about this because it's important because I don't know if it's fully grasped by not only the folks in the pew, but also some of the clergy. I am the vine, you are the branch. Unless you adhere. To the vine, you will not bear fruit. We give that lip service. I'm going to be honest with you. That is something that is a core belief of mine in my marriage, in my life. That Do I do it perfectly? Of course not. I fail. I go to confession constantly, at least, to be honest with you, twice a month. With that said, no one has a better idea than God's, than God and his church. No one. Why? Because God and the church are one. He is the head. The church Mm -hmm. is the body. They cannot be separated. No one. I don't care if you went to Harvard. I don't care if you went to the Gregorian. I don't care if you speak 75 ancient languages. I don't care. You do not have a better idea. Your PowerPoint presentation is not good enough. It's not going to bear fruit because I said so, because God said so. And if we took that to heart, the people in the pew, with regard to our marriages, doing what the church says, to single people, to the clergy, our church would set the world on fire. Why? Because God said so. Okay. Yet, all the smart people, they got a good ideas. Oh, I got this idea. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're going eh, Wrong. History has shown that to be the case. Mm-hmm. Talk about that, because I think that's a key reason why we go astray.
2: Uh, re- really quick, I did. I did just want to point out something. I thought it was very good for you to mention there that that all of these people from lay people up to the Pope can't contradict the church. Cause so many times you hear people saying like, well, I don't want to go against the church and they equate the church with the hierarchy. And ironically, this is actually one of those things if I'm not mistaken, that was clarified in Vatican II. They were trying to tell people the church isn't just the people who happen to have collars on their neck or wear white cassocks or anything like that, right? The church is the body of Christ, right? It, it is Christ himself. He, he, he wants the church to be a part of him, right? So so that differentiation is really really important right now for people to be able to 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 look at at their leadership and say when things are against the teachings of the church they're not synonymous. But to your point about about lighting a fire in the church um you're 100% right. I, I don't want to ever equate having numbers or booming church sizes with with faithfulness right because Jesus never said I want you to fill up pews right he wants full hearts he wants uh he wants our dev- our entire self devotion love uh sacrifice for him and what he can do with that with 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 just one person is incredible we, I mean we don't talk about it in the book but Saint Francis of Assisi talk about a man who, who is bearing fruit because of his attachment to the vine in a radical and fully self-giving way, you know, seven, eight hundred years now after he was on earth. And and all the saints that we look at in the book, you can see them bearing fruit through, through, throughout time. This is what ultimately gives me hope, because you can look around, and and I I feel for the people. We talked about them in the beginning. They look at the church. They look at the state of things. They're like, I'm leaving. You know, I I, I can't deal with this anymore. I'm trying to fight it. I'm trying to fix it. I can't do it anymore. But the saints who followed Jesus, you know, imitated him through their sacrifice, through their prayer, through their love for other people, they transformed the church without even really intending to most of the time just by saying just by saying yes to god and that's exactly what he calls us to be now i I mean we may wish we could live in other times when it was clearer or when maybe we thought it would be easier or, or, or when we didn't have to worry about like, do I even go to this church? Am I going to be led astray? But for some reason, God made sure that you and Joe and me and all of us were born right here, right now in this time at our age in our place. Why? Because he wants us to be like those saints. He wants us to light a fire in our family, in our ch- parish, in our church today that will spread across the entire world. And we can do that, not by ourselves, but through him alone. He wants us to do that.
0: One of the things that Joe and I, that inspire us and encourage us, uh, Alec Torres joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe, is just that. We want to try in our, in our way to get out there, open our mouths, you know what I mean, defend the church. Um, nothing is more sad. I, I got to say, we're coming up, we're almost to the end, Alec. Um, nothing is more sad than we see. People we've actually interviewed that are let's say on social media and twitter who have now gone either uh over to orthodox um or just just totally now attacking uh attacking the church and and to me I say to myself you know dudes you 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 have more you have more let's say education than i do all right i don't want to say more intelligent but you're certainly more knowledgeable than me how do i get it joe gets it Alec torres gets it don't you understand that that's not the solution whether you're going to the Orthodox or you're going to the Protestant, you're just becoming a nun, N O N E, okay? All because you've been scandalized by the hierarchy. I mean, I I don't buy that, Alec Torres. I'm going to give you the final word on that. I don't buy that. I don't think there's any reason mm-hmm. whatsoever. You mentioned history, there's a lot of people who could have left the church. Look at what Judas did. Who wouldn't have left the church after seeing that, okay? Mm-hmm. Talk about that, Alec. We have about a minute left. You got to have the faith of a little one in all this. And you got to accept that you don't know
2: all the answers and that you may spend your entire life in a time of confusion. What I would say though, and, 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 you know, if I gave away every single dollar I got from this book, if if this didn't, you know, benefit me in any material way, that would be fine because I wrote this book. I wrote this book with my co-author for those people, right? Because I didn't want to be one of those people. I wanted to stay true to the church. I wanted my faith to be in Christ and his church and not in man and not even in the men that Christ allows to be the leaders of his church, right? So if you're even thinking about it, if you're contemplating whether or not the church is the right place to you, or if you can really believe because you're just so scandalized by everything, just hold on. Like I said, I, if I didn't make a cent, I'd be fine with it. Just get the book. Maybe it'll buy it used when it comes out later. You know, I don't have social media, so it's hard to reach out to me. But like, find so I give it to you, right? I'll give it to you to, to know to just stay in the church, stay in the church. And you will be rewarded for it, and you will be in line with so many other great saints who did it before you. You can you can persevere, and that's what Christ wants us to do.
0: Alec Torres, it's been a, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on this show and talking to us about your book. The book is Persecuted from Within. That's available at Sophia Press. If you do have to buy it uh, from the big box, go ahead and buy it from Amazon if it's on your to do list. Uh, but uh, either way, go out and get the book, Alec. Needless to say. You're welcome back here at the Frontline with Joe and Joe anytime, brother, specifically if you want to get in some trouble. (laughs) I appreciate it. Thanks for the opportunity here. No, thank you, brother. We really do appreciate it. We thank you all out there for joining us at the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith to the New York City metropolitan area. Download the app, share it with your friends. You'll have access to all of our station's content and wherever you see uh, our ugly mugs, Joe and me on social media. Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Rumble, please like, subscribe, share, do all that fun stuff. And remember until the next time that our conversation is your conversation and that conversation.